Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. My name is Trey Kaufman, and I'm so excited to be able to take this podcast into its third year. If you enjoy the Mosaic Life podcast, I would be incredibly grateful if you would take a moment to rate it five stars in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I am beyond thrilled to welcome Nika to the podcast as my first guest of the year. While I would never ever discourage anyone from personal growth and development, as so many start setting lofty goals and making drastic changes to their fitness and diets the first few weeks of the year, I would encourage those to do it in a way that's right for them. And most importantly, in a way that's sustainable and allows an opportunity to build upon the progress. I mentioned it briefly in episode 126 with Eric Ryan that I would share my 2022 manifesto this week, or the bullet points that comprise it, And this year, I'm working hard to hold myself to a higher standard, both in my own eyes and those around me. I'm also working on an expanded social post I'll link to in the show notes when it goes live. Do not compromise on your integrity in any way, ever. Do not put anyone, yourself included, on a pedestal. I have very much had problems with that, especially when it comes to authors. Be strict with yourself and lenient with others. Show up for others as you would want them to show up for you. Interesting conversations exist outside of the podcast. I've found myself guilty of not wanting to talk with somebody because I didn't think it would reach an intellectually stimulating level, but I've realized that I've been depriving myself of conversations by not giving them a chance. Only hold space for those who hold space for you Forgive and move on from those who don't. There are a few critical questions I like to ask myself. Is this worth my freedom, my financial freedom, my health freedom, or my freedom of time? Is this worth getting angry about? Is this motivated by ego? Be kinder. I have a problem of being a little bit too snarky in the interest of being funny, and I fear I've hurt people's feelings unintentionally in the past because of it. And last, question rationale. My conversation with Nika was such a treat and the perfect opportunity for me to get my mind right going into 2022. She's incredibly intelligent in so many areas, and we just barely scratched the surface with mindset, health, and nutrition. Nika Laurie, BA, CFNC, CHC, is founder and CEO of Health and Hustle LLC, a small business consulting firm for socially minded businesses and entrepreneurs, and Moringa Health and Wellness LLC, a multimedia and lifestyle company that marries functional health with natural and sustainable living across a whole host of media and merchandising products. As a certified functional nutrition counselor, health coach, and leading conscious living expert, Nika is on a personal mission to heal both people and the planet. Please welcome to the podcast, my new friend, Nika Laurie. Nika, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing so well. I really, really appreciate you connecting. Um, it's always, I don't know, it's always a pleasure getting connection requests out of the blue. And I, I know you you found uh, the podcast through through Stephanie and it was just uh, Stephanie Shaw. And it was just, it's a pleasure to actually have a conversation with you. Yeah, I'm just so excited to be here. I'm grateful for the opportunity. And I love Stephanie. She's phenomenal. And anything she does, I'm always excited about. So it was nice to connect with you through her. Absolutely. Are you, um, so she's semi-local to, I know she's in Ohio. Are you, where are you located? So no, I'm actually far, far away. So I'm actually in New Mexico. I live in Albuquerque. Yeah. That's fantastic. How, uh, how's the weather there? It is stunning as it is 360 <laughs> days a year. Oh, yeah. So it's it's just shy of 60 today and sunny and beautiful blue skies. So it's gorgeous here. <laughs> well, we have blue skies, but uh, it's uh, it's about 32 degrees here. So. Oh, it's chilly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I appreciate you connecting. Uh, yeah, Stephanie is fantastic. And I, 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 I'm really excited to have this conversation because as we were talking much a little bit ago, we are, we're coming up on the end of the year. Uh, this will be released in the beginning of 2022, uh, if all goes well. And, uh, you know, as, as 
as the years start to wrap up, I mean, it's everybody's in that whole, you know, let's let's make some New Year's resolutions. Let's reinvent ourselves in the new year, which, you know, on the surface, it's, you know, it's, it's noble to you want to make changes. But the problem is, if you try to make too many changes at once, it's just you're, you're doomed for failure. And so I, I you know, going from 11.59 p.m. to midnight on New Year's Day, it's just a minute to minute isn't going to make a difference in your life. So you have to really put in a lot of, you know, groundwork to be able to make these changes. I'm just excited to talk with you about health and wellness through that lens and that perspective. Yeah, I love, I mean, I love this topic. I know we touched on it just briefly before starting to record today. And it's such a, it's a powerful thing. I think, you know, people get really excited about New Year's because they have these dreams of who they want to be in the yeah. future. But they get, like you were saying, so caught up on that 11.59 to, you know, to the midnight kind of switch. And and the problem is, is that real change in your life is it's a process. It's yes. really about behavior change and changing your habits and changing routines. And it's fun to daydream about that <laughs> switch happening instantly, but like all good things in life, it takes hard work. And so I think you know, to really maintain those changes over time, long-term, which hopefully is really what all of our goals are. It takes that focus, that preparation and the understanding that it's okay that it takes a long time because if it happened really quick, um, it's probably not going to stick. And what we really want is to have that success over long periods of time. Yeah. And I, I, you know, breaking down, I guess that idea from a psychological standpoint, I, you know, for me, I, I, I have made a lot of changes in my life over the past four or five years. And I really want to stress that it's taken that long and there's been a lot of failure there, but ultimately it comes down to what do I want out of, you know, my, my life. I, uh, you know, I, there, I quit drinking uh, almost 800 days ago. Um, Congratulations. Well, thank you very much. And it was, it was a big decision for me. The, 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 I guess the, the idea of quitting, I, of, of all places, I actually quit at a wedding. I decided I'm not going to drink tonight. And I was standing on the outskirts of a dance floor, not wanting to go make a fool of myself while sober. And I decided mm-hmm. that over the next year, I wanted to accomplish 10 big audacious goals. And so I decided to take a year off of drinking and then it just kind of continued on from there. But I, I knew that it was going to be very difficult to accomplish those goals if I did not remove alcohol from my life because mm-hmm. I had always prioritized or I, I guess I had always given priority to drinking or a night out or a bottle of wine over, you know, sitting down and writing or sitting down and creating a podcast that I actually am proud to share with, you know, my friends and family. And so to me, it feels like you have to have um, an idea of what you want to get out of the goals as opposed to just say, hey, I want to lose 15 pounds just because that's, you know, a trendy thing to say. Right. Yeah. You know, I see that a lot with different people I work with is that they they focus on kind of that one thing, they get stuck in that routine and it's really difficult to get out of that. And I bet with you quitting drinking and, and excuse me if I'm overstepping here, but it, you know, you know, you made that one decision at the wedding, but yeah. I bet you also had that make that same decision the next day yes. and then the day after, and then 600 days down the road, you still had to make that decision. Yeah. And so it's this ongoing process. It's something that you have to decide and work at every day. Um, it's never that quick switch ever. Um, and so I think a lot of people always want it to be that way, but it, it really isn't. And I don't mean that to be discouraging for people who want to make that change. I want it to almost be empowering because it gives you the choice that even if you failed yesterday or even if you failed today, you still have that choice to make that change right now yes. or tomorrow or the next day. And you can keep making that choice over and over again to get a bit, little bit closer each day to where you actually want to be and who you actually want to be. That is such a powerful statement. It really is. I mean, one, you are not overstepping at all. I, you know, I I will say I'm fortunate that I I did not have a chemical dependency on alcohol, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, you know, there's always that, that little voice in the back of my mind, you know, oh, I could just have a drink and I I would be okay. And it's true. I I could, but my problem is, and I, I, now I have the foresight. I I know Mm -hmm. that 
yeah, I could have one drink, but that is going to give, I'm going to give myself permission to drink weekly or nightly from here on out. So that's not what I want to do. I don't want to feel like crap the next day. I don't want to feel like I have regrets from what I said or did the night before. And so I, I just, I don't want that influence on my life anymore. Yeah. Um, and giving yourself permission to start over a day to day is extremely mm -hmm. important. I like to have a meditation practice. If I, if I had it, if I, if I was a little bit more, I guess, dedicated to the practice, I would do it every single day. But I also don't feel bad when I don't do it every single day because I know that I can do it the next day and I'm not going to have lost anything for, for skipping a day or two or even a week. Absolutely. I, you know, it's, it's funny because I really almost hate the word failure because we give it yes. so much credit and it's, it's really not the reality. Like life changes minute by minute. Like life is difficult. There's always chaos going on. There's always something new coming up. And so I think we need to give ourselves a little bit more permission to be changeable and to be, flexible with what's going on in our lives and, and accept that it's okay to quote unquote fail from day to day on whatever our routine or our practice is because that's just life. Like that yeah. is just normal and, and we shouldn't feel so guilty about it. Absolutely. And I am with you 100% failure. It was for the longest time, I, like so many people, thought it was a dirty word. But I mean, mm -hmm. to me, it's very synonymous with learning. I mean, you, you yeah. fail as a business owner. At least I, I have failed as a business owner many times. And it sucks in the moment. But at the same time, the next time you're given or next time you're you're brought into that circumstance or that situation, you understand a, what decision you made in the past and you ha know how to succeed or at least move forward in a different way this time. And I, if you're not failing, you're not trying new things. I know that's very cliche, but it's it, so true though. Yeah, it absolutely yeah. is. I mean, have you, have you experienced something similar? Cause you're a business owner too, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and what I've really come to believe is that, I mean, some people call it failure. I really call it pivoting. Like yeah. I've tried a bunch of different things and some things felt right and other things didn't. And when it didn't feel right, instead of you know, for a long time, I felt like I was failing and still sometimes I struggle with that feeling too. But, but what it really is, is I think it's kind of, you know, to sound a little woo woo here, it's <laughs> the universe telling me like, this isn't the right fit for you. Like try something different, you know? And when you kind of let go a little bit and give yourself the permission to pivot and to make those adjustments so that you feel, you know, even a little bit more comfortable in life, it's okay. Like it's okay to get up and try something new the next day because the thing you tried the day before didn't work. Like in yeah. the grand scheme of things, it's really okay. It's just, we're so hard on ourselves. We're such perfectionists when it comes to our own life and our own well-being, And it's, it's killing us. It's making us sad and depressed and there's no reason for it. I, yeah, I, I agree completely. And I, you know, I think I, I, I always try to say these things in terms of my own life because I don't want to speak for anybody else. But, you know, when it comes to failure, I, I think a lot of times I have been worried about not succeeding in something because of how I felt other people were, would perceive me. And, oh, yeah. And I, I've I've realized, especially over the last year, that, and this is a, this is a famous quote, uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt. He had said, "Comparison is a thief of joy." Mm -hmm. And I never realized how true that was to my own life. I, I I thought that if I would try something new, other people would make fun of me. I I don't, I don't know why I would think that, or other people would look at me differently. And I when I realized that. One, that's not even the case because people are so consumed with their own well-being that they yeah, don't even absolutely. care about you. But two, you know, if I'm not going to be willing to suck at something new, then I just, there's no point in even trying anything new or pushing the boundaries of what I think I'm capable of because I just there's I, I'm not going to make any progress unless I'm willing to take a couple steps forward and five steps back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it it's so true. I mean, I I love the comparison kind of steals joy because it's so true. I mean, that is like, you know, look at Instagram for instance and all the the news reporting that's been going on about this about, you know, making young kids feel like crap and yeah. and girls question their own self-worth and their own beauty and all these things. Like it really is true. It's it's that you know, alongside that, it's also the comparison paralysis and so yes. like 
you're, you always feel like, oh, they're so far ahead of me or they're already doing what I want to do. So there's no room for me to do it kind of thing. And the reality is, is there is room because you're a different person and you're going to do it differently, even if it's the same topic, but we get so caught up in our own concerns and our own, you know, the imposter syndrome thing is huge. And our, our concerns and worries about how people are going to perceive us or judge us. And the reality is, like you said a minute ago, nobody's paying attention to what you're doing. <laughs> like nobody cares really in the ground. The, the only reason they're looking at you is to figure out yes. what you're doing that helps them solve their own problem. Like that's it. And Absolutely. so once you kind of get past that, it helps a little bit. Yeah. I, that's, you just made an incredible point. I, <sighs> You are going to be doing something so unique to yourself, whether it's starting a business, writing a book, or even you know going out and, and you know running a half marathon. All of the experiences that you've had, the the, the sum of all of those, mm-hmm. it's it's one hundred percent unique compared to everybody else. I mean, I will be the first to admit I am far from the best web developer, but because I I because I, I've I've had experience running businesses because I have a unique experience with the uh, the running culture here in Columbus because I have a very unique perspective in health and wellness. Just all of those things culminate into one very unique perspective that I'm able to channel into my own business or, you know, how I go out and compete in races. Just it's you are not just selling your services, you're selling all of who you are. And it's building that relationship that really can help propel you forward. I I totally agree. I think also you can look at it as in your like career experiences. Like I've had a very kind of eclectic uh, career throughout my life. I, so originally I grew up off the grid in the mountains outside of Albuquerque. So we had, we collected rainwater and filtered it and that was our water. And we had solar panels for, for power. And we did that before it was like the cool thing. You know, this was back (laughs) in like the eighties when nobody knew what was going on kind of thing, you know? So, so I had that perspective. And then I went and I lived in a couple of the largest cities in the world. I lived in New York City and I lived in Los Angeles and I worked in the entertainment industry. And so I had this very different perspective of like the glitz and glam and the big, big lights. And then I came back to New Mexico to have my daughter and it's much more kind of earthy and and down to earth and, you know, kind of... um, uh, spiritual here. It's a very different vibe and dynamic. And all those different experiences have collectively helped me create a really unique career path for myself working in health and sustainability. And, you know, there's there's health coaches that do just autoimmune stuff because they had an autoimmune disease, or there's, you know, physicians that went into cardiology because their their father had a heart attack when they were 15 or you know all these different experiences really create who you are and make you a really unique individual and yes. we don't appreciate that enough we always think like oh we missed our chance or we're not moving fast enough or we're getting too old to make a change and the reality is, is everything that you've been experiencing is providing you a skill set to become the person that you're really supposed to become or that you want to become Oh, that's, that is so well said. And that's, that's, that's an amazing point. And I, I I don't want to gloss over the fact that you lived off the grid because that's, (laughs) that's actually pretty incredible. Yeah. I I mean, I hated it as a kid, but retrospectively, (laughs) I'm like, wow, this was actually a pretty amazing experience. And and I really, my parents still live that way. And I really appreciate what they've done and, and how they, they were kind of pioneers in it in a sense too. That's amazing. Um, you know, along these lines, I, I, I did want to kind of go back to talking about not necessarily the new year, but briefly we had spoken about how we wrap up our our years. And mm-hmm. I think that's just as important as how we, you know, start a brand new year is making sure that we have some you can call it closure if you want. You're just making sure that you are mentally prepared to take on uh, Again, I don't want to put too much emphasis on the fact that it's a new year, but it is an opportunity for change and growth. And I don't know, what do you do to bring your year to a close as we're you know entering the last two weeks? You know, one of the biggest things that I've always tried to do, and I, I've done this even before I worked for myself, is I really try to take some time off between yeah. uh, like this last two weeks of the year and in even the first couple of days of the new year because 
it, it allows me time to one, just kind of breathe and rest and recuperate and also make it through the holidays, which are always kind of stressful anyways. But it gives me time to kind of look back at how much I've accomplished or like what, like throughout the year, everything moves so quickly and you're just constantly kind of blazing through things. And it's really important that we take time to just appreciate how far we've come and what we have accomplished and, and just sit in it for a minute and just enjoy it. We don't enjoy our accomplishments enough. We just are always looking forward to the next thing. Like, what are we doing? How are we going to reach this? How are we going to connect with this person? It's just this constant hustle. And it's important to just take that, that time to just appreciate the wins that we've had. Um, and so I try, that's the big thing that I try to do at the end of the year is, is just kind of rest and, and, you know, look back and appreciate. And then I also really take some time to plan ahead and really think about what I want to accomplish in the coming year. Um, knowing that it's not again, going to be that snap, you know, quick fix overnight kind of change. It's like, even if it's, if it's a work thing or a personal change that I want to make, I look about, I look at how I can schedule that out throughout the year. How can I, you know, if it's like a health thing, how can I schedule out step-by-step some of the changes that I want to make? And then I give myself, you know, these arbitrary kind of due dates or timelines so that it keeps me motivated. Like, oh man, I have to have this done by that date or that's not going to happen. And I can do that for my personal space or my, my business. And that helps me really get focused and really be productive throughout the year opposed to just kind of floating through and, you know, checking off a random to-do list just because it makes me feel accomplished, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Um, and I, I like the idea of celebrating your wins because I, I, I feel like a lot of us fear celebrating wins, at least vocally, because mm-hmm. we're we're afraid that people are going to perceive it as bragging. And and you know, with that being said, it's not like we need to hop on social media and say, "Hey, I you know I I had you know ten huge sales this year and I made more money than I've ever made in my life." No, we don't need to do that, but we need to take time to acknowledge the work that we've done and you know yeah. what we've accomplished, if not internally, then you know maybe sharing with with loved ones or people close to us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it, you got to think about it too. Like you think about, you know, my sister, for instance, she graduated from physician assistant school this year and she went through physician assistant school, which is, it's basically like going to med school through a global pandemic. Yes. And, you know, it was a huge accomplishment for her. And we, we went to her graduation, we celebrated her, we, you know, supported her. And it, I, I'm using this as an example because that's a win. That's a yes. huge accomplishment. And the rest of us have things like that that we did this year too. Maybe it's not med school during a global pandemic, but it was still something big for our own lives. You know, yeah. maybe somebody paid off their school loans this year, or maybe someone started and launched a business this year, or maybe someone lost 10 pounds and they feel just healthier and stronger. It can be anything, but it's celebrate that accomplishment and be really proud of yourself because being proud of yourself for those accomplishments will motivate you to achieve that next big thing that you're working towards. Yes, absolutely. And having, you know, I, I, I think it's important to one, obviously celebrate with yourself and, you know, acknowledge the, the accomplishment that you've made, but having that very close knit support system or that tribe, whatever you want to call it, that who will genuinely celebrate with you as well. Mm -hmm. That's, I think that's extremely important. You know, I remember one time I, I, I took part in NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month. It's uh, every November. Mm-hmm. And I'd written 50,000 words in 30 days, which felt oh really, God. really good. But I also remember, you know, that that evening or, you know, November or December 1st or whatever day it was, you know, I went out with some friends to, to kind of celebrate and realized that they probably don't care as much as I do about this accomplishment. And that's okay. But yeah. I want to just, I want to acknowledge this within myself and I, I want to set realistic expectations for, you know, the, the enthusiasm other people have for me. So I, I don't know, just I, making sure that you are doing or celebrating in a healthy manner, as opposed to having unrealistic expectations. So when somebody isn't quite as excited as you are, that you don't feel like you're being torn down, but they're still there celebrating with you. Yeah. I mean, the thing that you have to realize is that, you know, it wasn't their accomplishment. Right. And and again, people are really self-absorbed and it's not, 
intentional that people right. are self-absorbed. It's not that they don't care about you. It's just that everyone, including yourself, comes from the perspective of me and what's best for me, yes. you know? And so it, it's, it's not a intended to be hurtful thing. It's yeah. a simple, like, this is how people process information. It's through their own self connection to it. Yes. Um, but I, I think the other thing celebrating with your close friends too, is it's such a good example for them to do big things in their lives as well. It yes. motivates other people to do and accomplish the things that they, they want to do. And then the one other thing I'd want to add to that too, is that it also sometimes just depends on the people you're celebrating with. I know that I have some incredible friends that care and love about, you know, love me dearly, but they don't understand. They're not entrepreneurs. They right. don't understand this kind of world that I'm in. And so they don't necessarily relate to me in those accomplishments. But then I can go talk to other friends I have that I may not even be as close to, but they're entrepreneurs and they understand those kind of wins. And so it's that perspective that people have to the different types of wins too. And so surrounding yourself with maybe different groups of people to celebrate the wins in different ways, or even to discuss the failures or the losses or the, the struggles can really be helpful too. Oh, that's such a good point. I, I hadn't even considered that. I mean, I, I, I like you, I mean, the vast majority of my friends, they, they have nine to five jobs and right. I, I I, while I love working here in my office by myself all day, it's it's great to you know see my friends on occasion. But it's just everybody's when everybody's talking about their jobs, their bosses. It's hard for me to personally relate to them anymore, and you know vice mm -hmm. versa. And so yeah, I, I tend to keep my mouth shut in in those circumstances. So that's that's such a good point. You know when it comes to those sorts of wins and and quote unquote failures or learning opportunities, you know you you need people who will kind of be able to empathize and relate to that. Yeah, exactly. And that, you know, that was, that took me a couple of years to figure out as an entrepreneur. I was like, why, why aren't, you know, why aren't my friends caring as much because this was really hard or this is yeah. a big deal. And then I realized they have nothing to relate it. Like it's not the same in the nine to five world. Yes. And so it really understanding that I needed, you know, not saying that there was anything at all wrong with my friends because there isn't. It's it's simply just the ability to relate and that perspective that people come from, you know, it's different for everyone depending on what their current experiences are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you had mentioned talking about scheduling out changes and I, I like mm -hmm. how you had said that, especially in the perspective of 2022, because I literally, uh, like I said, you know, last night and today I've started just making a list of things that I want to accomplish or plan out over the next two weeks. And, you know, one of those things is I've gotten in the habit in 2021 of blocking out one week per month where I, I won't schedule any appointments or, or meetings. And I, I, this, I especially won't, you know, do anything in relation to the podcast because that takes up a lot of time as well. Mm -hmm. I can just take that week to get as much as done as I possibly can. So, you know, scheduling those weeks give me opportunities to, you know, actually make sure that I'm, I'm making progress on personal and professional goals. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what scheduling out those changes looks like for you as you're approaching a new year. I actually, I love that idea. I, um, I may steal that please, from you. Please, please do. Yeah, because what I do is I usually have one or two days during the week that are like that. So similar, just spread out separately, but kind of having that week off is kind of nice too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I usually have like Wednesday tends to be my just day in my office with no meetings and no podcasts and then no any of that other stuff to just focus and get stuff done. I also tend to take Mondays to really knock out most of the content work for the yeah. week. So, you know, blogs and newsletters and editing podcasts and YouTube and things like that. Um, you know, and then I, I'm really careful about how my calendar is open to other people. So for my podcast, for instance, I usually only record Friday mornings unless yeah. the guests specifically can't do that time. But I really try to um, schedule them out specifically so that my calendar is already kind of blocked and built out that way specifically. So that way I know... I have time specifically to just think and be creative and be in the zone and work. And then other times are dedicated to whether that's podcast guests 
or a client or networking meetings or things like that. So I'm, I'm present and focused for each of those things. And I'm not stressed out about, you know, oh, I still need to write my e-newsletter for the day or yeah. for the week, you know, but I'm at some meeting that I have to be at. And it, it helps you kind of blocking out your calendar and having that time specifically scheduled for it helps you stay focused on one task at a time. Because despite what people think, multitasking is the enemy. <laughs> it, it, it's not something yes. that you can actually do and accomplish things in uh, a quality manner. Oh my God, absolutely. I, um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to have a, a guest. Uh, he's an author near Ayal. He wrote Indistractable. Um, I, I spoke with him. I think I think it was earlier this past year. Uh, but he, his book, and he introduced me to the idea. And I had probably heard of it before, but I got serious about it after talking with him about time blocking. And I, mm-hmm. I always thought that was kind of you know silly. And I use that word loose or just kind of sarcastically because at the time I did, you know, it's actually putting blocks in your calendar. So one, yeah, other people don't have access to that. And two, so you can know exactly what you're going to be doing during those times. And when I finally gave in and actually started doing that, I mean, it changed the way I operate day in and day out. And I, 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 I will never, ever go back. Yeah. I think the other thing it helps with too is not just with, you know, uh, keeping other people from filling up your time, um, but it, it helps minimize like choice paralysis or decision paralysis. And I know I get really overwhelmed when I have too many decisions to make or too many choices. And when I have this big list of to do items And then, you know, this blank space on my calendar, I'm like, which one do I do first? And then it's like, oh my God. And then I need to be doing this, but this feels important. And then am I going to make money doing this? You know, can I pay my bills? Like it's all these things and it just, it spirals out of control. And so when you keep things really structured and scheduled out and simple, I think the key word there is simple. Yeah. You you know, you avoid that stimulus overload. And, and, you know, I can, I can give an example of people think about stimulus overload, but think about it as, as a little kid that, you know, is jumping off the walls and going crazy and throwing a tantrum and not listening to parents and all those things. The real reason that's usually happening is because they're stimulus overloaded. Right. They, you know, they, there's too much going on. There's too much chaos. Their brain can't process everything that's coming in. Maybe they've been watching too much TV and there's, you know, all that energy and all this stuff is going on. And so they just kind of lose control. They just are overwhelmed. Well, that happens to adults too. We just don't tend to throw quite such visible temper tantrums, you know, but the reality is, is that still happens to us. Usually when that happens to us, we get depressed or we get lethargic and we get, you know, uh, sad and, and anxious. And, and I think a lot of us are dealing with that, especially going through the pandemic and with all the turmoil that's happened with all the other things and politics and stuff that's been going on. We're just overloaded as, humanity. And so really figuring out how to simplify our lives and, and make things as structured and easy as possible is key to real success in the long run. Yeah. I, you know, I I know me personally, when I feel like everything that I need to do is kind of piling up, even though nothing has changed moment to moment, I'll I'll just, I shut down and until I can Mm -hmm. lift myself out of it. When I see that stupid blue circle, uh, you know, in my Gmail tab, notifying me I've got new emails or when my, you know, I'm getting text messages or, you know, social media, obviously being a huge problem and contributor to that. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to not shut down and you just yeah. to feel like you're drowning. And then uh, it feels like hyperbole, but I mean, at the, in the moment, it really, really does feel that way. And I, I don't know, for me, it's just, it's calming down, focusing on my breath, realizing that there's nobody, there's very likely nobody who needs something from you in this very moment. So just pick one thing and make a step toward accomplishing it and then keep, keep moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, when I get into those spaces too, the the best thing that I do, honestly, is meditation. And it's not even like, you know, the sit and hmm kind of thing. It's like, just take five freaking minutes and sit by yourself and quiet and just stop for five minutes and let your brain kind of reorganize itself and breathe for a minute. 
And, you know, it can make a huge, huge difference. Just five minutes. You know, if you can do 10 or 15, that's even more game changing. But if you're, if you're busy, start with just the two minutes and then go to five and build from there. But it really does make a difference in the long run. Cause the biggest thing is that it really helps reset your hormones. And so it helps reduce some of the cortisol that's uh, kind of rushing through your body at the time, like the adrenaline that you're feeling that anxiousness yeah. and it helps you kind of reset and get to more of a homeostasis, homeostasis, you know, I'm trying to say, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, point in your body, which is is the key to real happiness, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's take that as an opportunity to talk more about our bodies and, you know, living clean lives. I, yeah. you know, that's been a, a big, big pursuit of mine, especially over the last two years through the pandemic. You know, as I mentioned, I quit drinking, um, you know, like everybody else, I, I quit eating out during the pandemic. And mm -hmm. I just kind of realized at the beginning of this year that, you know, eating out didn't really serve my financial or my health goals. And so no. I've been uh, for, you know, at 10, 11 months now, I've been making every single one of my own meals and, you know, it's all whole foods. And I cannot, I cannot emphasize how important that's been in my life. And I'm sure you'll probably be able to put it into words better than I can about what that's actually doing to my body. But that has just had such a tremendous impact on my happiness, my, my well-being, how I feel in regard to my energy levels. It's been incredible. Yeah, it really is amazing when you actually experience that change. Like we don't, we, and I'm generalizing here for just, we uh, will say Americans in general, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we don't, none of us really realize how sick we actually all are. Like we don't, because we've just lived this way our whole lives. We've been yeah. eating the same kind of food, you know, I mean, we, most kids grew up on, you know, a happy meal here and there or something from, you know, the, the drive through, whatever your favorite one is, right. you know, or we grew up with sodas and Gatorade and all these sugary fruit drinks and fruit roll-ups and all this stuff. And so it's just this natural part of our society. You know, we, we were all kind of brought up that way. And so none of us really know what our bodies are actually supposed to feel like, you know, and that's having more energy, that's feeling younger, even while we're getting older, that is um, sleeping better and not waking up in the middle of the night or, you know, having a hard time falling asleep or both. That's um, not having that anxious feeling all the time or the, the kind of lack, like the lethargy, all of these different things, um, let alone, you know, I haven't even gotten to all the chronic diseases and the autoimmune issues that we all have and all of this stuff that's going on in our lives. So none of us really realize how sick we are until we make that decision to change our diet and lifestyle. And, and, you know, like we were talking about earlier, it's never going to be that quick switch overnight. Right. And so I, I hate diets. I hate diets. Yes. Yeah. Because it's, it's believing that it's going to be this short thing. You're going to diet for 30 days and then your whole life is going to be better. And it's BS. It's not yeah. true. You really have to make those shifts and it takes time to make those shifts and you're going to fail sometimes, but you just get back up and you try again later. But, you know, I'm a little long winded here talking about it, but it really is completely game changing for you for both your your health, your relationships, your career, your mental health. I mean, it it affects literally every part of your life when you decide to eat real food and take yes. care of your body. Absolutely, you know, I, I'm I'm with you. Um, the the word diet has it's literally become a foreign word to me because I just thinking about what it actually means to the vast majority of us here in this country. It's just it doesn't make sense. Like why, I don't understand why you treat your body great for 30 days and then go back to poor habits. That's just, yeah. it, it does not come. It literally does not compute in my head anymore. Now, I mean, my, my diet is, is my diet. I mean, I, I eat as healthy as anybody I know. And that's just, that's just who I am. I'm not doing it to lose weight. I'm, I'm doing it to feel good all of the time, which mm -hmm. I, I do feel good all of the time. And it, that's not a fluke. It's because I have learned, I've had, I honestly, a lot of these conversations have led me in the right direction. And it's just, it's been so transform transformational for me. You know, I had, um, yeah, I, I, I apologize. I'm not trying to drop names, but I, yeah. I did have a gentleman named Sean Wells on the, on the podcast early in the year. He wrote the energy formula, wonderful mm -hmm. book. And 
there's so much in it and I, I can't believe I'm just pointing out this one part, but he, he made me realize that, you know, standard American diet, the acronym for that is SAD, which sad. It, it's silly, but I mean, it, it really, <laughs> so really true. is. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, talk to me. Well, you're right. I mean, as we mentioned very briefly in the beginning, you can't make all of these magnificent changes overnight. And, you know, if, if I, as uh, as a layman, were to recommend any one thing for anybody in particular, I'd say just cut out sugar. But I don't know mm-hmm. if that's the best course of action for somebody who's just trying to improve their diet one step or one step at a time. What would you recommend for people who yeah, want to feel so- better? For real novice, you know, for real beginners that want to make change, the the first two things I'm going to tell you is forget the idea of calorie counting because that has been disproven and, you know, it's so ingrained into so many people. So just wipe that from your thought process at all because it's not real and it doesn't work and it's just going to make you feel like crap, Um, like you're a failure basically. So forget calorie counting altogether. The, The next thing I would say is just start making little tiny swaps for processed food, getting rid of that and adding in real whole food. So instead of eating a um, fruit roll up, eat an orange, right? Like just one little swap, just start there. You know, instead of eating, um, you know, uh, a pasta dish, maybe do a little side salad instead. Um, You know, just make those little tiny shifts from processed food to real whole food. Um, Put a thing of nuts, as long as you don't have a nut allergy, obviously, but put a little baggie of nuts in your backpack or your purse or whatever you have or have it in your desk with you so that when you are hungry, instead of walking to the snack room or grabbing a donut or fast food or something, just eat the little bag of nuts um, and drink glass water. It's those little tiny shifts that motivate you to, cause you'll, what happens when you do those little things is like, you'll realize, oh, I feel pretty good after eating this. Whereas if you go eat the Baconator French fries from McDonald's, you're like, oh my God, I feel like death afterwards. Right. And so you'll start to realize eating just those little things, you feel better. And then that's going to motivate you to make another little shift. And then from there, you're like, oh, maybe I should read this book and learn about this technique or this thing. And that's going to motivate you a little bit more to make a little bit of other changes. And so for the real novice, just start switching out processed foods for whole foods. That's it. Simple as that. And you don't have to do it every meal all the time. Start small and build from there. Yeah. And then you start to realize that you're you're feeling... One, you're, you're feeling more motivation because you you know that you're doing one thing healthy and you start to ask yourself, okay, what else can I do that's mm-hmm. healthy? What else can I do that's good for me? And then you actually start to feel better both mentally and physically. And so you start to really explore, you know, other areas that maybe instead of, you know, drinking coffee with cream and sugar, maybe I just try black coffee or maybe I try almond milk and try something yeah. to make just try it to cut out, you know, those, those one things at a time, like you said, that you, you know, aren't probably the greatest for you, but you've never given, you've operated under the belief that you can't have black coffee or that you can't, uh, you know, eat a meal without sugar. You can't, you don't have time to not go out to eat. You don't have time to meal prep. It's just, it's overcoming these little white lies that we've learned to tell ourselves over the years that I think allows you to make, you know, instant or a ton of progress. The other thing to understand too, is that as you change your, your diet, like as you change the, the nutrition, the intake, your taste buds change too, and your cravings are going to change. And, and one of the biggest reasons why your cravings will change over time is, um, the bacteria in your guts, your microbiome, uh, all those little, those little guys, those little bugs in your, in your gut eat different types of food. And some of them live off of sugar and crave sugar. And those are the bad guys. And then the good guys live off of fiber and fiber. Um, you have soluble and non-soluble and you need both. It's really important to have both, but that, that fiber comes from whole foods. It comes from leafy greens. It comes from vegetables. It comes from fruit. And those are the good bugs. Those are the ones that make you feel good. Those are the ones that interact with your hormones. Most people don't know that your microbiome actually controls a vast majority of the hormones that move throughout your body. And your hormones do all kinds of things. But one of the big things they do is affect how you feel. 
They affect your mood. They affect your energy levels. They affect um, the anxiety you feel, all kinds of things. And so having the good bugs, the good bacteria in your gut is really, really important. And when you get overloaded with sugar and highly processed foods, that damages your the makeup of your gut microbiome. And so your, your hormones are going to change based off of that. And you're going to have more depression. You're going to have more anxiety. You're going to feel more lethargy let alone all of the other issues that that cause chronic disease and autoimmune issues and so on. I mean, I could go on forever about the effect of that. But understanding that, you know, over time, the better you eat, the more your body and your microbiome is going to change. And so it's this whole system that works together. It's this whole process. And so um, you can make those changes. Absolutely. And I, I there's been, again, I'm such a, an armchair I, I wouldn't even call myself an expert. I, you know, I'm, I, I very casually read about all these things that fascinate me and, you know, a micro, the microbiome and gut bacteria has been so huge over the past five, 10 years, maybe even yeah. longer. And it's just, it's, I, I will say this, that I, I do my best to stay out of hospitals. I, I go to, you know, my annual checkups, you know, as often as I, or every year, but it, to me, it seems like. I don't want to discredit people, but it seems like the, the, the research it has not yet caught up to our, you know, day-to-day visits with our physicians. And I, I think, I don't know, you as an expert, I, I guess you can tell people where they can go to actually learn about this sort of thing. Maybe it is your doctor. Maybe it's not. I just, I wish it became more common knowledge, at least, at least quicker yeah. people became more, you know, in, attuned to this research. So unfortunately, the American Medical Association, the AMA, um, they they do some magical stuff and they have, you know, really great experts and, and there's right. a lot of benefit for them. I mean, if you get into a car accident, right. AMA saves the day. You know, they're going to put you back together and it's phenomenal. But when it comes to preventing disease or when it comes to even treating a chronic disease like heart condition, diabetes, um, any autoimmune issue, any of those kind of things, they are really far behind. And it's not really their fault. And when I say they, I'm very much generalizing here. Um, But it takes between 17 and 20 years for research to kind of filter its way down and make it to the general um, physicians that we're seeing on our health checkups and, and, you know, we're interacting with the daily on a kind of a daily or annual basis, however often you see your physician. And so a lot of them don't know the research. The other thing to understand is that most of them were not taught about nutrition and lifestyle habits. They it, the the lucky ones got about eight to 10 hours, some of them maybe up to 20 hours of training yeah. in their entire medical. I mean, that's like what, an eight year thing that they go through yes. for school and they got eight to 20 hours of training on nutrition and lifestyle. I mean, big miss there, right? Yeah. And that's, that's because, um, you know, it's not taught in schools. It's not part of the curriculum there. And so you can't really blame the physicians for that part. And then the other the other sad part is that a lot of the schools, the medical schools, are um, financially supported by pharmaceutical companies. And again, you know, the pharmaceutical companies, there are some magical things that they've done. And and I'm not saying it's all bad, but when you are trying to make money off of selling pills to people, you don't want people to be healthy and you need them to be sick in order to make money. And so there is a real fundamental issue there on how medical schools are funded and how the physicians are funded. Also, physicians receive funding from pharmaceutical companies. So there's a whole, you know, kind of political financial game going on there too. And unfortunately, at the end of the day, the people that are hurt are the patients. Um, And so to look at how do I stay healthy or how do I get healthy or how do I potentially reverse one of the diseases I'm struggling with, that really comes down to owning your own health and understanding that you get to make the decisions that are best for you. And you can work with your physicians to come up with the best practice, but understanding that they aren't necessarily um, up to speed on all of the current research either. So don't put all of your eggs in one basket or eggs in one physician, if that makes sense. Um, one of the best places to go too. it can be a little bit expensive, but if you have the means to do go see a functional, uh, functional medicine doctor, they tend to look at the root cause instead of the symptoms. So the American medical association really looks at 
symptoms and just treating the symptoms. That's why you get so many medications and prescriptions. Functional medicine really looks at the root cause. So what is actually causing the disease to occur and how do we address that so we can stop it in its tracks? So one, you not have the sim- you no longer have the symptoms, but you also don't have the disease anymore. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather just not have the disease. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, every everything you just said, I mean, it, it, it seems to be right on point. And it, it's, it is, it is sad because, you know, one, you know, we're not, we're not explicitly told to, you know, go see a functional medicine, uh, expert or, or doctor. Right. And, you know, if, even if we were, you know, who knows if our, our, um, medical coverage would, 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 would cover that. And we're, we're right. marketed it to, you know, by all these big pharma companies. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just recently watched dope sick on, on Hulu, which was a, mm-hmm. a terrifying documentary or docu-series, or I guess there's probably some fictionalized parts of it, but regardless, it was about, you know, uh, um, Purdue pharmaceutical marketing Oxycontin to, you know, so many people here in the Midwest and, you know, all the people who became addicted and died because of it. And it's just, it's, it really speaks to, you know, how t- closely tied our physicians are to those companies. It can, it can be scary, but at the same time, like you said, we need to take responsibility for our own health. And it's, I think it can be so much easier just to, you know, offload that to somebody who says they care about us. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, they probably do, but they don't necessarily have our best interests in mind, or they mm-hmm. don't have the best knowledge to take care of us because medicine is not individualized. It's very much, you know, generalized. And, you know, we're all grouped together based on, you know, demographics and psychographics and all sorts of things that you know, unless you really know the body or the human person, you're not going to be able to get really customized medicine. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to say two points based off of what you said. So the first is, is you're absolutely correct. Medicine is, you know, generalized for all of us, you know, age, uh, ethnicity, those kind of things. Um, but the reality is, is it's bio-individuality. Um, yeah. I mean, if you go into anything kind of considered alternative medicine or anything that is, um, Uh, you know, I kind of hate the term alternative medicine because it's just like, it's still medicine. It's still care. It's still fixing what's going on in your body. But anyways, when you use the generalized term alternative medicine, it's always going to look at the person, the individual as a whole, like what's actually going on inside that person. Because the reality is, is, you know, four of us in a row could all have the same autoimmune issue, but it's all being caused by something different. Like uh, patient A will have an allergy to gluten. Patient B would have an allergy to uh, maybe casein in uh, milk. Patient three was uh, has um, maybe metal, uh, metal, uh, toxins, you know, they had too much mercury from eating too much fish or something like that. And then patient four may just have a, you know, a genetic disorder that caused the issue. And so it's, you know, it's all coming from a different root cause. And so really understanding that is how you change that. And then my, my second point I want to add real quick is, uh, interesting and and you didn't know this bringing it up, but I have a very personal connection to the opioid, um, uh, pandemic that's really happened. My daughter's father uh, became addicted to opiates and he got very hurt from it. And um, it's a whole long drawn out story. But what really happened was the physician overprescribed the medication when he was very young. He'd gotten hurt uh, snowboarding and got overprescribed. And it created a, you know, now what will be a lifelong situation of hardship and issues. And you know, it was because the physician was just told that it was okay by the pharmaceutical companies. I don't know that the physician really had any mal intentions. They just overprescribed. And, you know, my daughter's father trusted the doctor and did what, you know, was told to him to do by somebody who he considered an expert. And it created a lifelong horrible disease for him. And, you know, and so understanding that it is our responsibility to take control of our own health and to, to really educate ourselves on what's, what's really good for our bodies. Yes. 
first of all, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. I, I, I don't personally have a connection to anybody who's, you know, been addicted to opioids, but just from what I've seen and the conversations I've had, it, it is, is a horrible ongoing problem. Um, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, I, it's I, heartbreaking and it, it is, and it hits, you know, everyone thinks it's like, oh, these, you know, poor people that, you know, aren't worth anything, you know, that's such a horrible thing, but that's kind of the, the generalization that people make about it. And reality is like, this hits anybody, anywhere, anytime. If you've yes. been hurt or if you've had a child or if you've gone to the hospital for anything, it could get you. Yeah. So you have to be really, really cautious of it. Addiction is a very, very powerful. I mean, is it is extremely obviously detrimental, but it's not just, I mean, if these people get addicted to these pills that the doctors are prescribing them, but then, mm -hmm. you know, because opioids are so expensive, they turn to heroin because they need something that can give them that same high at a, at yeah. a cheaper cost. And that is, it's terrible, but even less so, you know, sugar is marketed to, you know, oh to kids. And you talked about Gatorade <laughs> earlier. And I was thinking, I grew up an athlete. I played baseball and soccer all the time. And, you know, it was, let's grab a Gatorade. Let's, this is healthy. Let's, it's going to restore our electrolytes. And it's just, it's all sugar. And it is marketed to us from, from children from the time we were kids and yeah. we become addicted to it and we, we, we have so many diseases because of it as we age. Oh my God. I mean, don't get me started on sugar for sure. But, <laughs> but the, the thing that I'll say is, is so, you know, I really focus on health and sustainability and the, the interconnection between the two. And I was reading this, um, I think it was a Nielsen's report, um, that they had, they had, uh, done research. They had interviewed a couple hundred thousand people from around the world. I think it was 12 different countries that were involved. And so they interviewed people all over the place and, and they asked, um, you know, questions relating to, do you think, um, what's going on with climate change and all these things, um, sustainability and eco-friendly living has a relationship to health. And, and if so, what is that relationship? And most people believe that there was a, a connection, if not a correlation between the two. But they also asked what they thought um, was the healthiest things that they could do that were also sustainable. Right. And it was so heartbreaking to me because to, uh, they, they broke them up into all these different groups of respondents. And all of the different groups all kept saying that they thought that fruit juice was the <laughs> healthiest option for them. And yeah. I was like, this, the, I, like oh. if there's anything I'm going to do in my life is to convince people that juice is not healthy for you. Juice is literally, you may as well just drink a soda because it's right. the exact same thing. They've removed all of the healthy fiber from yeah. the fruit that you really need it. And then you have this massive glass of fructose and of all the sugars that there's a bazillion different structure, like chemical um, makeups of sugar. But the least healthy or the most dangerous for your body is fructose, is what comes from fruit. Yeah. And that causes so much damage in your body. And everyone thinks it's healthy and it's marketed to our children as a health drink. You know, it's like have milk or fruit juice. I'm like, why don't you offer water? Like water is the natural go-to drink. Like I don't understand it, but it's, it's heartbreaking to me. Um, yeah. so yeah, if there's anything I would tell people to do is stop <laughs> drinking sugary drinks, that would be my number one. But yes. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm sure we could have an hour long conversation just on sugar oh, yeah. and, and yeah. You know, I, I would be honored to have you back on to actually have that conversation. Because, oh my God. I would love that. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Fantastic. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to cut us off here because we're coming up in an hour, but I, I absolutely would love to have you back. But, uh, Nika, before we close out, I do have a few uh, questions I'd like to ask before we okay. close. And the first of which is, you know, I, I truly mean this, this conversation over the last hour has been incredible and it's been extremely beneficial to me. And so I always, I want to do my best to give back to you as much as I can. So I like to ask the question, if you're, if you were looking for additional resources to help you continue growing either professionally or personally, and somebody listening across the country might be able to lend you that resource, what is it you're looking for to continue, continue growing? Yeah, I think for me, I mean, first, thank you. And I, I'm grateful for that opportunity too. But for me, it's it's all about making connections and relationships with people and trying to grow a community of, of you know, well-educated people in the sense of 
the the decisions we're making for what we put into our body are also going to have effect of what happens to the planet. Yeah. And if we decide to shift our buying habits to more eco-friendly, sustainable, healthier options, we'll heal people and the planet. And that's really the biggest thing. And so for me, it's always looking for connections to businesses that want to learn how to, you know, maybe have a healthier, more sustainable organization, or they want to create a product that um, is more healthy for their customers or, you know, more beneficial to the planet. And so it changes their, their, um, their vendor relationships and, and supports kind of the whole cycle of how a product is made. And so always looking for connections to, to new people to work with or to new, for new people to do classes with and just build those relationships. I love that. I absolutely love that. I, and I would, um, I don't know. I always like to, I always like to say, you know, I, I've had so many of these amazing conversations on the podcast. So if there's anybody that you may feel be beneficial to you for your podcast or your work, please let me know because, you know, I, I always like to set the expectation. I'm here to connect people and I, I love yeah. building those relationships. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. It's just so powerful. It's game changing, really. Uh, absolutely. All right. My next question is, I, you know, it, I, I do my best to, to read as much as I can. And I, I always like to know if you could name one book that has just had a tremendous life-changing impact in your life, what would that book be and why? Yeah. So that would be uh, Journey to Islam. It's part of the Carlos Castaneda books. And um, I think they were, they were really big back in like the, I think the seventies, it may even been the sixties. I'm not totally sure, but my dad gave me a copy of the book and it was one of the really early prints. I still have it. So it's kind of one of my cherished possessions, but um, he gave me the book. I think I was probably 16, 15, 16, like a teenager coming yeah. into their own kind of figuring out life. And the book is really, it, it gives you a perspective on the world that really changes how you approach it. And it yes. makes you much more grateful for everything you have in your life. It makes you much more appreciative to how you interact with others in your life and how you interact with the planet and the environment. And it really is just so insightful. It, I mean, I, I reread it maybe six months ago and it had the same game changing effect on me too. So there, I've never had a book that was that powerful as that specific book. That's so, incredible. I, I, yeah. I had never heard of it before, but I will, I will look it up and I, I will find it and I will certainly read it. I appreciate you yeah, sharing that. It's magical. It's definitely, I mean, I, I would recommend it to anybody for that's, sure. That's awesome. All right. My last question is if you can leave the audience with one personal call to action, either one you live your life by or one that you implore others to live their lives by, what would it be? Do everything you can to help people and help the planet. Like for me, it's healing people and healing the planet. So, you know, it, that goes so hand in hand for me, but help people in any way that you can. It, it People are struggling, even when they don't look like it, they are. And so just taking a moment to smile at someone, to open a door, to, you know, let people in through traffic. If yes. it's, you know, if you can do something bigger than that, like it, you know, it's, holiday season and new years and, and maybe, you know, buy a gift for somebody or, or, um, you know, take them to the gym or something, whatever it is, yeah. like just do something nice for somebody and then do something nice for the planet. Um, you know, put a recycling can in your house or, um, buy a little bit less processed food or buy some whole food. That'd be better. Yes. <laughs> or, you know, stop buying plastic water bottles and go buy yourself a metal reusable one or something, you know? So it's, yeah. it's all those little things. It's those little things, you know, we're all so overwhelmed by what's happening in life and, in on the planet and it's just stay in your lane and do those little things because they add up over time. I love that. That's, that's great advice. Nika, this has been such an incredible conversation. I, I seriously cannot thank you enough. If people would like to connect with you, if they'd like to learn more about you, your podcast, your work, what is the best place or where is the best place for them to find you? Yeah. So I mean, I have several websites, but the best place to go is just my personal website. It's nikalori.com and that's N-I-K-A-L-A-W-R-I-E.com. Um, you can find everything there and then you can find me on social media, Nika Lori as well. So, Perfect. Thank you. Absolutely. Nika, I hope you have an incredible end. It's just 2021. I hope you have an incredible start to 2022 and I look forward to having another conversation with you soon. 
Oh, I'm so grateful to be here. I've just had a fantastic time speaking with you and and grateful for the opportunity. So thank you. Once more, I would like to extend a huge thank you to Nika for joining me on the podcast, for helping take the podcast into 2022. And of course, for all of the amazing things that she's doing for herself, for her clients and for the planet. If you would like to learn more about Nika, or if you'd like to reach out to her to connect with her about her work, you can find her information in the show notes at themosaiclifepodcast.com. If you enjoy the Mosaic Life podcast, I would be so incredibly grateful if you would take just a moment of your time to leave a five-star review, either in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or both if you're feeling ambitious. I hope everyone listening had a great end to 2021, is having a great start to 2022. And if there's anything that I can personally do to support you in your journey, please reach out to me. Let me know. You can find me on Instagram at Trey Kaufman. And of course, you can go to the website and click contact and reach me that way. It's hard for me to express how much I appreciate you for you taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast. It truly means the world to me. So thank you. Thank you. And until next time, take care, do better and be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.